to Luther's world of cryptids, ghosts, and the unexplained. If you're into strange things that fly above us in the skies or creepy things that go bump in the night, then you have come to the right place. Much like cryptid creatures or folklore tales, they have a home here, and so do you in Luther's world. Welcome to chapter two. Let's dive right into, I never thought it would happen to me. Real stories told by the eyewitnesses themselves. This story takes place in the state of Texas. Werewolf, Dogman, whatever you want to call it, Lance Archer, he lived it. What's up, this is Lance Hoyt. I am AEW Superstar, the Murder Hawk Monster, and I'm here to tell you about a, a little experience I had one time driving in Texas. So basically, here's the story. I was in Texas. Uh, you know, Texas has a lot of wide open spaces, a lot of roads that have basically no street lights. You know, it's out of the city. There are no, you know, highway lamps, nothing like that. So it gets really dark in different places. And this was on Highway 35 in between uh, Hillsboro, Texas, and Fort Worth, Texas, on 35W uh, headed north. Um, so, you know, me and a few guys in the wrestling business, you travel all around the world and all around the country, and a lot of times you just jump in a car, as many guys as you can, and you go wherever you're going. And, can, and in Texas, it's not a small state, so everything is a three, four, five, six, seven, eight hour drive, depending on where you're going, what you're doing. So this particular night, we were driving back from San Antonio, and that's about a four, four and a half hour drive, depending on the traffic. Uh, the, the space that we were on, like I said, is on 35W, headed north between Hillsboro, Texas, and Fort Worth, Texas. And we get to this area where basically there are no, again, no highway lamps. If there are no cars behind you or in front of you, there it is pitch black. And it's open fields, there's farmland, there's some farmhouses and things like that out there. But for the most part, there's nothing there. So two of the guys were in the back seat. They were dead asleep, you know, couldn't help the trip at all. And that's kind of breaking one of the rules of riding in the cars. You don't fall asleep. And these two cats, out. But my friend who was sitting next to me, his name is Bobby, you know, we, he was being cool and he was staying awake with me and he's talking with me and we're telling stories and this and that. So we're driving along and, you know, we're just chit-chatting, we're talking and whatnot. And I remember him talking specifically to me and I'm listening to him and something crossed in front of us. And this is what I refer to as my werewolf moment. You know, and I, I, I'm not one of those people that really disbelieves any of this, but this was one of those moments that for a split second, it made me believe. And it was crazy, creepy, cool. It's one of those things, like even now, it gives me chills and bumps thinking about it. And so basically, when we're driving, again, pitch black, the only lights out in, on this highway and at this time of night uh, were my headlights. This creature that passed in front of me, I'm in an SUV, it's a Chrysler Aspen, basically like a Dodge Durango. Uh, and the front of the hood where this creature passed in front of me is basically like we almost hit it like if it had been a second earlier we'd have nailed it and it had its tail tucked and its back was as tall as the hood of my truck probably a little bit taller um, it had a thinner frame it wasn't like standing on two legs it was on all fours uh, crossing in front of us I could tell that its tail was tucked and it had a long like bushy tail it was a pitch black color kind of that long wiry fur and like I said, I only saw the tail end. I didn't see the head end because, again, we literally, I mean, it was like, if this was its butt, we passed it like that. That's how close we came to hitting this thing. 
and my friend Bobby, again, was in mid-conversation, mid-sentence, and stopped, dead cold, didn't say another thing. And I'm just kind of driving, hands on the steering wheel, just going, did I really see what I just saw? And I've lived in Texas all my life, and I've never seen anything like this. And the only description, like I said, that I could think of was a werewolf. And so we sat there for a few minutes, not saying a word. Again, we've been in full conversation the whole time. And then I kind of looked at Bobby because he hadn't said anything. And I was like, Bobby, did you see that? And he kind of like looked over at me real slow. And he's like, I didn't want to say anything. But yeah, what the hell was that? And I told him, I don't know, man. It's like the only thing I can think of is a werewolf. Again, I've never seen anything like that in Texas in my life. I've never seen anything like that since. Um, it, it's one of those moments, man. Scared the crap out of me, and I, I don't know what it was. Um, you know, the dog man, werewolf, whatever you want to call it. But to me, I saw a werewolf that night. Wow. Now, that was scary. And when it seemed by two different people... Both who got super freaked out and saw the exact same thing, they definitely saw something. That leads me to think, do you think for even a millisecond, Lance maybe thought about turning his truck around and going back to getting a better look at the thing? Would you? Next, we go out to Southern California and we hear a little tale about a native American Spirit, told by Frankie Kazarian. Hello, I am Frankie Kazarian, a professional wrestler for All Elite Wrestling. And uh, so I was born and raised in a town called Yucca Valley in Southern California. And uh, a lot of um, old, like, Native American burial ground area surrounds the outlying towns and communities. So this, this particular story happened um, when I was just out of high school. Uh, a buddy of mine were uh, hanging out with a couple friends, some girls. We were up at this place called Pioneer Town, which is a town about six miles north of where I live. Real famous town now, small little town. They used to film Western movies there. So we were out out there just doing things teenagers do and we were out partying and we stayed up all night and we uh we me i had to drive home at real early like six in the morning so it's something to do we were both really tired so me and my friend greg got in my my car and we started driving on this long windy mountain and then there's this big long straightaway that takes you back into town and the sun's really bright and it's right in our eyes and up, up on the horizon, we see what we thought was an old man or an old woman walking, but they were walking like almost in the middle of the road. So us being, you know, especially me being an asshole teenager, I was like, hey, you know what, let's, 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 let's pull real close, let's slow down, roll the window down, and say, hey, get the fuck out of the road. Um, can I swear? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so I said, let's do that. Let's, let's pull up to this, to, this, to this old lady or old man or whatever it is. And say, get the fuck off and get out of here. So we're driving. We slow down. My buddy Greg rolls down the window. And just as we're about to yell, this old man, very, very old Native American man, long hair, traditional like Native American garb, 
looks at us and had no pupils, only whites. All we saw was the whites of his eyes. So we look and we go, oh. it just, it startled us so much. I hit the gas, he rolled up the window. I looked in the rearview mirror and I said, Greg, look, Greg, look, Greg, look. Greg looked back, he was gone. Go, go. And this was an old elderly person. And this is a long stretch of road with nothing around it other than desert. He could not have ran away and hid. He vanished. So we're driving and now I'm just like, did you see that? Did you see what I just saw? Did you see that? He said, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was like, what did you see? He's like, I saw an old man. He had no eyes. It was great. I was like, okay, okay. So later that day, we were, uh, we're hanging out and I decided to call my friend Susie, who's, we were at her house the night before. And, uh, and I told her, I said, Hey, something really weird happened. Uh, uh, we were coming home this morning and we were on the, uh, we were on Pioneer Town Road and a long stretch and there was this old man walking and he was like in the middle of the road and we pulled up to him to tell him to get out of the road. And he looked and like, he had no eyeball. It was just all the pupils gone. It was all the whites of his eyes. And, and we drove off and I swear to God, he vanished. It was the weirdest thing. And Susie just goes, Oh my God. And I go, what? And she goes, Oh my God. And I go, what? She goes, my family knew an old native American man that lived in that Valley that used to walk on that stretch of road every morning for his morning walk. But he died 10 years ago. And the minute she said that, I just, my buddy Greg saw me and I just went pale and was like, holy shit. So like, Getting that confirmation and having my friend Greg there with me absolutely 100% convinced me that that was something supernatural because there's no other explanation other than the one my friend Susie gave, which, which is in perfect correlation with what I'm telling you. So that was the first time that I had that weird cold come over me that was like, wow, like something, I just witnessed something otherworldly. Wow, now I am 100% convinced that the nighttime is the right time. And this, again, seen by multiple people, saw the same spirit and past stories about the same spirit. So there's definitely something going on there. So everybody remember, when you're on those long, lonely stretches of road and highway out there, keep your eyes open because you never know what you might see. Now, we're going to reach into the old mailbag and read tales sent in by you. This is The Paper Trail. Hey, it's time for a little bit of Luther's Mail and what we like to call The Paper Trail. So, we'll start with the first one. Hi Luther, big fan. My ghost story is short. When I was seven, I was staying around a friend's house. He was asleep, and I was sleeping at the other end of the room. The room was pitch black, and I sat up, and I looked to my right, and at the table holding my friend's weight set. Underneath that table, which there looked like a shape of a person sitting there. He was just looking, it was just looking at me. I waved at the shape, and it waved back. I was convinced I was seeing things, 
and I was so tired, so I just flipped it off. And it flipped me off. Then I just hid under the cover and I thought, I just pissed off a ghost. When I looked back, it was gone. I still can't explain it to this day. Kind regards, and I hope I don't butcher your name, Kale. Well, you know what? I, I kind of have a story that's sort of very similar, but I did not flip off a ghost. But I'm going to tell that one again on uh, another episode. But uh, thanks for sending in. That was awesome. Good evening. This is Serpentico, and welcome to the paper trail. Message one, about a month ago, I had sleep paralysis and I had my eyes closed, but there was this breathing and I could still feel it. After a little bit, someone said, open your eyes. And when I did, nobody was there. This was in Misawa, Japan, near a base where they practiced for Pearl Harbor and there were a bunch of abandoned bunkers. So three days later, it happened again. And I'm hearing screaming and gunshots and people screaming to get down. When I open my eyes, it stops. I don't know what's going on. But then I have it again the next day. And the same thing again and again. Except when I open my eyes, I see people standing there looking at me. That's really creepy. When I open my eyes, I see people and I see dirt, blood, and I can't move. All of a sudden, they start moving towards me and I close my eyes and they're gone. And that's the last time I saw them. Greetings and salutations. I'm Drexel, homicidal artist, pro wrestler, deathmatch darling, and I'm here for another edition of Letters to Luther. This one, this one's coming from Anonymous. It says, Dearest Luther, no one believes me that this happened, but it did. I was working at Arby's when I was a teenager and this man comes in late at night and when he paid he brushed his fingernails against my hand and as he gave me the money and the quarters and the stuff to pay for his food and his nails they were weird like a reptile's nails. I tried not to think about it and I made it through the shift but for months afterwards I couldn't forget the weird feeling I felt when those non-human feeling nails touched my hand. Even if I think about it now to this day I get chills up and down my spine. I had night, tra I had night tremors and horrible horrible dreams for a long long time too. Then I I thought nothing of it for a few years after the night nightmares and tremors had stopped until I turned on the news and there was this interview with the mayor of our town and I knew it was the weird old guy that weirded me out at Arby's all those years before. He had the exact same hands but his fingernails were cut down and they weren't like reptile claws. They looked like normal human hands. It, it was just weird. He's still a politician now but even more like bigger in the arena of politics than he was back then. Like people all over the US have heard of him and part of me is sure that he's legit alien from another world. And at times I feel like most politicians are weird because they are aliens from other worlds just pretending to be humans. I have a feeling that if people let their fingernails grow out and not cut them, we could once and for all see who the aliens are living amongst us. It would be a very good visual test to identify who is legit human and who is an alien pretending to be one of us. My nightmares are better now, but I still get scared if I think about those nails, which weren't human, 100%, touching my Hannah Arby's 
days when I worked cash there. You know what it was? It was a reptilian. And you know who should have gotten this letter? Serpentico. Because Serpentico is a reptilian. At least that I've heard. So if you think that David Arquette is Serpentico, you're wrong. Unless David Arquette is also a reptilian. And then I, I don't even know who to trust. But this is another letter to Luther. I'm Drexel. See you later. If you have a story and you want it to be on the show, just write it out and email it to me at luthersworldmail at gmail.com. Or you can videotape yourself telling your own story and I'll put it on a future episode. Hello, I'm the bunny. And I'm AEW's The Blade. You are watching Luther's World of Cryptid. Ghosts! Unexplained. <laughs> now it's time for this episode's edition of The Storytellers. And today's storyteller is the owner of the Roswell UFO Spacewalk, Brian Ward. Hey, what's up, everyone? Brian Ward here, your fearless leader at the Roswell UFO Spacewalk, the center of space and time. I have a, <clears throat> an interesting story here to tell you. UFO encounter that happened uh, to me and a couple of my friends, uh, summer of 19, early summer of 1980, 81, so it's a good 40 years old. Uh, what happened was we were just uh, kicking back at the house, right? The parents were gone, so we decided to uh, come to my place. I lived out in the country. It was a rural area then, uh, lots of uh, almond orchards, alfalfa fields, uh, a lot of uh, dairy, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, we ourselves lived uh, on a horse ranch. Um, so it was about early uh, nightfall. The sun had just set. Um, and we were just outside, you know, the, the evening had just begun and uh, we just happened to notice up in the sky, we were looking at the stars because it was so bright. And uh, one of the stars we noticed were acting weird. It was starting to move around and do zigzags and stop and then uh, just uh, circles, uh, all sorts of weird movement that was just not common to ordinary aircraft. And we were looking at it for, uh, you know, uh, a good, 10 minutes just wondering what is it there uh, there is a naval base that's not too far uh, Hanford uh, which is about maybe I would say 30 minutes away so we weren't sure what we were looking at uh, and this continued for a good 15 minutes or so um, until finally uh, uh, across from our house we're in the backyard there's a horse pasture and then across from that is a an orchard and uh, uh, before we know it, this light, whatever it was, descends down over just right over the top of the orchard and starts to move in towards us. And we're looking at it, we're thinking, what is this? This thing's coming right at us. So we're fearless, you know, we're about 18 years old. Uh, we go out to the edge of the horse pasture to meet it. There's three of us. It's uh, me and a couple of my high school friends. And because uh, and there's a nice open area there, we're hoping we can get the, uh, the flying saucer to land. So we're, we were out there, you know, fearless, waving our arms. Hey, you see us, land, land. And uh, one of our friends decided to stay behind. Now we had a uh, back door was, uh, was locked and it had a dog door cut into it, but we had a smaller dog. And uh, I noticed that the one friend that went out there with me was yelling at the other friend, get out here, come out here and look at this. What are you doing hiding back there? And, uh, but I didn't want to take my eyes off what I was seeing because it was so spectacular. So uh, 
this is all going on. You know, I'm just trying to uh, retain everything. Uh, so we go out there and we're, we're excited and we see this thing. And by then it's really low in the horizon. I mean, maybe about a hundred yards away of that, uh, just right over the, right at the other side of the horse pasture above the orchard. And we're waving at it to land, come in and land, come in and land. And it gets, starts to get closer. And the next thing we know by then, me and my other pal that went out there to look at it, uh, we're right at the very edge of the horse pasture. There was an electric fence that went along there. So I was just, we got right up to the edge and I wanted to keep my eyes on it, see what was going on. And uh, right then it put a beam of light on us. And we were excited at that time to have it land. But when it puts, when a flying saucer puts a beam of light on you, it's, it gets your attention. I remember we were like, what the hell is that? You know, we kind of shut up. We weren't so loud, weren't so eager for it to land. I remember we were looking at it and it was this light was on me and my friend. I remember him saying, do you feel that? Do you feel that tingle on your face? And sure enough, it was a real light static electricity. It was, you know, you could just feel it. Just mainly right here on your face, but real light, like static electricity. And then I don't know how long this light beam lasted, maybe 10 seconds, I would say at the most. And then it shut off. And then we, I could see it clear, more clearly. And it still, is, it looked like a star that was changing colors. But after the light beam Henderson shut off, and I could kind of see a round saucer sort of silhouette up in the sky, and it was still glowing a little bit in the middle. But all this time, there's no sound, absolutely zero sound. And we just were looking at it and we're thinking, what was that? You know, we're still kind of stunned with the whole shining the light on us. When you're seeing it is one thing, when you know that they are seeing you, that it's another thing. And uh, so it was, uh, anyway, it was kind of sobering. And, uh, and while we were sitting there looking at it, spellbound, uh, it just shot right back up in the sky like a shooting star in reverse, bang, was gone. And we were looking around, where's our other friend? You know, what, what happened? And so we go to the back door, it's locked. So we go around to the front, which was open, and we come in and he was breathing hard, uh, clearly upset. Um, he'd squeezed through that small dog, dog door. His ribs were all scraped up. Uh, he was clearly in distress. And, uh, and anyway, we thought it was fabulous. So the next day or the next Monday at school, whenever that was, we were uh, retelling our story to everyone. And uh, the one friend that didn't go out there to meet it, that went through the dog door, by then he'd already denied it happened. Uh, it never did happen. It was completely like it was nothing that ever was uh, in his history. So it was already kind of gave me my introduction to people who are, they see things and then they, instantly denied if you can't explain it if there's nothing in your grid to explain these weird things sometimes people the easiest thing to do is deny and trick yourself into saying it never happened but it did indeed happen and uh, this was uh, in the central valley area like i said it was uh, in california 1980 81 it was mostly all agriculture in there um, a few other weird things happened but uh, that's a tell for a different day i'll get back to you on that back to dr Lee cryptids of the world. Today's cryptid is a Slavic folklore monster known as the Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga. The first reference of the Baba Yaga was in about 1755. And the name Baba Yaga translates to the old woman or hag or grandmother. If you ever come face to face with the Baba Yaga, 
she will either be like grandmotherly nice to you or you will become her dinner for that evening. She lives in a hut deep within the forest, but that hut or house or however you want to call it, it's living. So it has long skinny legs that actually look like a chicken's legs. And the windows are bright and they act as eyes. And these eyes are always on the lookout for intruders or passers-by that are unlucky enough to stumble across the Baba Yaga's house. And if somebody does intrude and come through, those little chicken legs will run away and the house will relocate in another part of the forest. The fence that wraps around the Baba Yaga's house is made up of the bones of all the people she's eaten. And the fence posts are the skulls of her victims. Some say that the Baba Yaga is one witch and others tell the folktale the Baba Yaga is actually three witches but they all go by the name Baba Yaga. She rides around on a giant mortar or a kettle and she uses a pestle and she uses that to grind up of the bones of the people she catches and that she eats later that night. But the Baba Yaga can't help you. Some people seek her out for help. But if you seek out the Baba Yaga, she will make you do a bunch of tasks or challenges. And if you are successful in these tasks or challenges, she will help you with what you are seeking out. But if you are unsuccessful, she will kill and eat you. Bon appetit. For all you ghost hunters out there, it's time for the haunted hotel. And today's haunt is gonna take us all the way to South Dakota. It's the Hotel Alex Johnson. The Hotel Alex Johnson of Rapid City, South Dakota. I could not find any specific room rates for the hotel, but if you Google search or go on uh, one of the sites that gives you pack packages out there for hotels, I'm sure you could find it or call them. Um, the one thing I did find was that they do offer extra packages on top of um, the roommates they have now, like a lover's package or getaway package. But one thing that's really cool is they offer a ghost tour package that will take you to all the hot spots of the hotel. And there are many. A lot of people that stay at the hotel um, say they encounter strange shadow figures. They'll also see doors open and close on their own. And probably one of the um, creepier things that the hotel people reported hearing is growling. They'll hear growling sounds. But there is one entity that is very aggressive and that's probably who's doing the growling, I'm guessing. Um, many people have reported being shoved and in some cases even bitten where you can actually see the bite marks on the people. Chairs have been seen in the banquet room slide from one area to another, and in some cases even thrown in the air. The chair will just go getting launched. Um, there's people when they stay in the rooms, a lot of people report cold spots, or the feeling when, they're, when you're in your bed that someone is sitting right next to you. 
And I also think that downstairs, there's reports of people feeling like there's someone sitting next to them. There's many reports of a little girl ghost, and she's on the eighth floor. And reports are she's seen running down the hallways, and she'll knock on everyone's doors. And when you come out, she just disappears and vanishes. And she's also heard giggling in the stairwells of the hotel. Same girl, same ghost girl spirit, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe two. The most famous ghost at the Hotel Alex Johnson is that of a young bride who had died on her wedding night. She's known as the Lady in White. She's still seen wearing her wedding dress. The same dress she wore the night that she had died. She died of a suicide in room 812. Well, not exactly in room 812. She died outside the hotel as she jumped through the window of room 812 to her demise down below. In room 812, many people will still, re still report hearing crying from within the room, a girl crying. And when they go in, there's no one there. And when you stay in room 812, the drawers of the dresser somehow always get turned upside down. And when you lock your windows at night and keep them shut, it's reported that when you wake up that window, the same window the lady in white jumped out of will be wide open. If you're planning on staying in Rapid City, South Dakota, I would definitely go to the Hotel Alex Johnson and I would most definitely ask to stay in room A12. Thank you to all my guests today, Lance Archer and Frank Gazarian. To my readers, Serpentico and Derek Drexel. The Bunny and the Blade, thanks for stopping by. And to my storyteller, Ryan Ward. And most importantly, to all of you. May the chaos run strong and stay creepy.